see everyone here. It's good to be here this morning. Appreciate the songs, appreciate the singing, the worship. This morning's lesson um, has applicability to myself greatly. And as there's different times in your life that you have conflict and issues, this is one of those lessons that, that whenever you read it, it, it makes some very clear answers for you. As Sandra and I was having a lot of discussions yesterday around some issues in our life, not between us. We got plenty of those, but that, that was some issues that been dealing with. I think this, this, the passage we're going to talk about this morning is made, made a lot of that clear. And if you will, turn to Mark 10, verses 17 through 31. We're going to stay there. Um, the Holy Spirit found this to be a lesson that, that this was placed in all three uh, beginning Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So this was an important story. And we're going to look at this story. And I'll admit, throughout my life, I've, I've read this story, and Marsha referred to it in Bible class, and if you paid attention, I went silent, Marsha. Because I didn't want to get into my lesson. Um... But this is the story of the rich young ruler. And a lot of times we focus on this story. We start contemplating what about this camel, the, the camel through the eye of the needle. And I think verse 25 is an important verse. But I think the response says it's impossible. So... That's really all I'm going to say about that from the perspective of that verse is, is what Christ is teaching here is very hard. And it's something that every one of us are going to deal with in our lives. And we have many examples in the Old Testament where people were successful dealing with, with what we're going to discuss today or what Christ discusses. And there's many people that were not successful. So we have both sides of those stories in the Old Testament. And how people decided and where they went and what God thought of them. So this is, this is one of those lessons that whenever you start peeling back and, and some things that were stated here, there's some very positive things. But there are some things here that, that I find to be very hard. Especially when I consider decisions I have to make in my own personal life. And what the expectations are from Christ. So let's start reading in verse 17. And he as he was so we're going to read some passages and then we're going to discuss them. And as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I 
do to inherit eternal life? There's a lot to unpack. We're going to come back to that verse. And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witnesses, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus felt love. We'll come back to that too. Jesus felt love for him and said to him, One thing you lack, go sell all your possessions and give to the poor, all you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But at these words, he was saddened and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. So let's, let's unpack those verses there. So what's different about this ruler? Did this ruler come to trick Christ as the Pharisees did? Did they contemplate the questions they were going to ask? Did he contemplate the questions like the Pharisees did? I believe this man had a sincere heart. I believe because look what the man did in the first verse. What he did. The man ran up to him and knelt before him. He understood that this was a teacher. This was the Christ. He knelt before him. He honored Christ. I do not think that was sarcasm. I don't think that was what we see in the Pharisees. He called Christ good teacher. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? He honored Christ by kneeling. He called him a good teacher. The young man was wanting eternal life. The young man was wanting eternal life. He asked. He knew, notice he said, I, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He understood he had responsibilities to gain eternal life. Notice in verse 20, he had kept all these things from his youth. And so as you look at all of these things, is it questionable why Jesus, looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him? Notice that Jesus felt love for the rich young ruler. And I think it's for all the reasons that we just described. He, decide, he desired to follow Christ with perfection. He had good morality, right? 
How many people can you say? How many of us can say that we haven't committed some of these sins? But he said, I have kept these from my youth. And up. He was diligent to follow God's way. But notice that God loved him. And so notice that at the very beginning, right as he spoke, what did Christ do? Christ corrected him. Notice. Notice he states in verse 17, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Christ's response is, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So he starts off with the rich young ruler correcting him. Notice that he takes the ruler to the scriptures to begin with. That, that's where he goes. That's where he went. That's what was important. And I, think, and I think in this dialogue and what we're giving here, I think his heart was truly wanting to seek God's path. And I think that's why God, that's why Jesus felt love for him. But the, the issue with this passage is how quickly Christ came back. And whenever I say the issue, I'm not saying Christ was wrong. I'm just saying it bothers me. It bothers me that Christ says, I feel love for you, but you lack one thing. Because Christ knew this person, this young man, had his heart elsewhere. Mechanically, he was doing the right things. He was living a good life. We would all look at this person in society and say, that, there's a good man. I think we would. I think we would look at this person. But Christ knew that this person was not going to get there because there was one thing that he loved more than God. And Christ didn't beat around the bush. It, to me, we see Christ here confronting. and But he's doing that because he loves him. But here we see that Christ told him what he needed to hear. And that's what we have in the scriptures. There's passages like this that disturb me personally. Not because I can read them and I can intellectually understand them. It's for me to apply them to my life. And if we don't take Paul's what if we met Christ today, 
and we pose the question to Christ, what must I do to have salvation? Because that's what, that's what the young ruler was asking. What must I do? What would Christ answer us? What is the one thing between myself and Christ and my love for Him? And to me, how Christ answered this, how He was up front because He loved this man. And what's the sad is, is in verse 22, but at these words He was saddened. He went away grieving, for He was one who owned much property. Realize that he had done all these good things. But there was one thing that he was not willing to give up. And so the, the rest of this, this passage is going to be more around what the disciples they were, I mean, I feel like I'm in pretty good company whenever I take Paul's at this because Peter, Peter, you know, we're going to talk about that. But the whole point is, is, is I don't know how, if there's any words in between this, but this is not a long conversation. This is a very quick conversation. And I truly believe the rich young ruler came with an honest heart trying to figure out what do I must do to have salvation. And Christ quickly took him down the path and said, this is what you've got to do. Every one of us has these type of things in our lives. And the rich young ruler goes away uh, grieving. Verse 23, and Jesus looking around said to his disciples how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. We talked about that in 1 Timothy this morning. But we're going to see how this applies to all of us because this is just not about wealth. This is about having something between me and God. And the disciples were amazed at his word, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is it is to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples understood what just went on. So I don't think I'm misinterpreting what just went on here. I'm not the only one that's taken aback by this because the disciples were amazed at his words. Christ knew there was something between the rich young ruler and eternity. And so, Christ said it's hard, children, to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier. So, that's talking about the rich people. That's talking, and I think in, in the class this morning we kind of described, that's all of us. What's between us? And as we look at this passage, so we have verse 24, the disciples were amazed at his words. And in verse 26, 
26, they were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be who can be saved? But in verse 27, looking at them, Jesus said, with people it is impossible. But not with God, for all things are possible with God. I wrestle with this passage. I wrestle with this. I do not believe he's saying that God's going to make provisions for, for our wishes. I don't believe he's, he's saying that. I believe he's going back to the times of old whenever we see Joseph in Egypt and we see Potiphar's wife make an attempt at him and we see a way of and, and Joseph finds a way to escape. We see Joseph in prison and we see him still serving God. We still see Daniel still praying because he was put in an impossible situation. It was between him and his life. We see Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and what I think this means is with, with people, but with faith, nothing is impossible. So, do we believe this statement? Do we figure whenever we come up against situations that you're sitting there contemplating, am I putting this before God? Guys, I have cried over this type of stuff. In my, I have wept on things in my life. Are we praying, if, if, if only if this is possible through God and not through clay, and not through you, then the first thing I think the action we have to be taking is, are we praying to God to see the answers? Are we looking, are we going to him earnestly in prayer, laying our petitions before him, laying, laying it out and saying, God, what do you want me to do? And just as Christ took him to the gospel, to the scriptures. Just as Christ took him to the scriptures, are we are we going to God's word to find out what his path is? Because in my case and in my challenges through my life, the mountain looks too tall. The mountain looks too steep. And whenever I look at that and I say, I can't do that. But many times in my life, you, you, you have to start taking that next step by faith and saying, this is what God said. This is where I need to go. This is what I need to do. Does it work out? Why do we have the story of Job? 
He lost everything. But he gained. Abraham left everything. Abraham lied. It's not that all these people of faith are pristine and they got it right all the way through their life. I still remember as a boy trying to figure out, I can't say Abraham lied. That has to be something else. But now that I'm older, I'm like, yeah, they all sin. They all fall short. But I, I still want to know what Abraham was thinking that morning whenever he got up and got said, let's go. We're going up on the mountain to make a sacrifice. That's what this passage is talking about. If it depends on me, it's impossible. But if it depends, if I look at God and I do it with God, then it's possible. And I have to do a number of, a number of things. It's got to be with prayer and it's got to be with faith. This is not this walk that we give. And that's why you see in verse 24 and 26, the disciples said, this is impossible. But it's not impossible. The devil wants it to be impossible. He wants fear. He wants us not to be able to figure it out. We have to begin our day. We have to begin to solve these problems with prayer, going to God's Word, and growing our faith. And if we don't grow our faith, we can't get to the right answers here. You cannot go to Hebrews the 11th chapter and not understand that it takes great faith. Verse 28. Peter began to say, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house Brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or farms. For my sake and for the gospel's sake. But that he will, will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and farms, along with could have left out this part. Along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. And just as this morning we, we talked about what is our focus. But notice that Peter noted what was given up. Look at the disciples. The disciples. Notice Peter's down here saying, we've left everything. And they're still amazed at what Christ is teaching. I don't know what yours is. But are you willing to be the rich young ruler? Are you, are you not willing to give up? Or... Are you willing to be better?
And I think it's as of times of old. It's, it's, and notice, to me, one of the harshness of this, of this whole story here, Christ didn't go say, wait, 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 wait. We're going to make it a little easier for you. That's not in the story. So as brothers and sisters, are we really willing to give up? Ain't, ain't. And notice what he, he states here. It's not, it's not, you know, your friend you had years ago. Are you willing to give up that? No, it's your father, it's your mother. And y'all might think this is simple, but for me, that little five-letter word there named farms, that has a lot. There are places in this world I love. Abraham, I, I, I dare say, he, he spent 75 years in his place before leaving. That's the lesson this morning. In verse 31, but many who are first will be last, and the last first. I didn't write this story, and that's why I didn't, I mean, I don't think I, I gave a lot of opinions, but this is a hard story. This, this is one of those stories that if, if you're not, to me, I don't know, I I know for me, verses 24 and verse 26 has, I mean, I, I'm right there. I'm astonished. I'm, I'm kind of taken back of what Christ taught here. So that's, that's the lesson this morning. Where are we at in our life? Where are we at in our walk? Are we going to have faith in God? Or do we put faith in ourselves? And I've said many times up here, I, I'm, I am a problem solver. I am. But there's problems out there I can't solve. And I've learned that. And there's times that I just have to leave it to God. And I have to take my next step by reading the scriptures and taking that next step on faith. And that's what has to happen. That's where we have to go. And notice that Christ didn't, didn't, you know, notice that, that, that passage there where you leave father, brother, mother, and you'll gain so many more. And persecutions. He didn't say it was going to be an easy walk. But that's what we're called for as Christians. That's the teaching of Christ. That's not an easy teaching. If there's anyone here that needs to obey the gospel, anyone here that's fallen short, needs the prayers of the congregation, we ask you to please come forward.